Welcome back to the Age Group to Professional Triathlon Podcast. My name is Brian and I'm the Age Grouper. And I'm Kaylee, the pro. Our mission is to help people go from confused to confident on their first few triathlons. So let's dive into today's episode. So I feel like we kind of have a lot of race recaps today, right? Yeah. Welcome home. How long have you been back? Let's see. I've been back for a little over 24 hours, like maybe a day and a half now. Got in, I think, around lunch yesterday. So Quick turnaround. Do you feel like a changed person? It's kind of funny because going into this mega travel, the thing I told Brian was that I think I'm going on this massive soul searching. Yeah, it's like a soul searching (laughs) journey that when I come back, I'm going to be a changed human, which I don't know if I'm a changed human, but I think that I'm a a more competent, confident triathlete and traveler. Yeah. Triathlete traveler and tired. Definitely tired. That's without a doesn't even have to be said but yeah so for people who don't know Kaylee just raced 70.3 Oregon in the women's pro field and then backed it up with a race in 70.3 Maine which is cross country in the United States so coast to coast Portland to Portland time zone to time zone yeah it was it was your first 70.3 double header oh definitely and I don't know if it's one of those things that I would do often, but I think it was a thousand percent worth doing, especially with school coming up and just kind of making the most of the time I have with the summer. So I'm very happy I did it. Yeah. Getting that race experience. Yeah. I mean, I would have to say the nervousness that I usually have going into races was almost completely eliminated going into the race number two. Which is big. Yeah. For me, it was huge. It was a weird experience like showing up and kind of just like a deja vu I just did this I don't know it was weird do you think it'll come back now that you have a gap between races I I actually don't I'm at least I'm hoping it won't I think that after doing two in a row it just kind of made systems feel more easy and I don't know it was just the process of getting ready for it was just like and it was just an easy transition. And I think that I'm hoping at least I can carry that forward going into other races and just kind of feeling that same ease. Cool. So first thing, we'll dive into your race recaps. We'll talk about some travel experiences, the goods, the bads, some of the struggles, how it felt to race 70.3 Oregon, how the race went, how it felt to race 70.3 Maine, an inside scoop on what went down there. We'll talk about age group professional, not age group professional, age group triathlon nationals coming up this weekend oh, yeah. for the United States, which overlaps with the PTO US Open in Milwaukee, where we'll talk about our top three picks for the women and men's side of that. Yeah. So we have a jam-packed catch-up episode. Let's start with Oregon. Yeah. So getting there, how was the initial travel um, to Oregon. And I would say, let's, let's open it up to the viewers a little bit. Like one of the biggest stressors of booking all of these things is the planning and the logistics and the costs, right? I mean, it's not easy for everything that goes into it. Yeah. I, for someone like me, at least who is not a highly sponsored athlete bringing in a lot of money as well as me getting top eight at these events is also pretty unlikely at this point. So, you know, I would say we're traveling a little more on a budget now and I'm also pretty bad at planning in advance. And so I kind of wait a little bit to last minute oftentimes. So this one, we, the, I had initially booked an Airbnb that was canceled within like maybe a week and a half out. So I kind of scrambled together, found one and actually picked one that was with somebody. So this was my first time kind of doing the like the co-house B&B, but it was a pretty cheap price. It was like 20 minutes from the race venue. Um, And so I kind of just went on the out on a limb and and tried it. So honestly, with the travel there, it was I would say uneventful. I kind of 
knew everything was going to take a long time and kind of just was taking it one step at a time and not rushing anything and just, I guess, being present in, in the travel experience. Um, the Atlanta airport is an absolute nightmare. Always. We got there like two and a half hours in advance and I still almost missed my flight. So that was a, a hot start to it. Um, but then once I got there, everything else was luckily pretty smooth and the time difference was kind of nice because for us going from East to West coast, uh, I think we gained, I gained what three hours. So it kind of was nice to get there and it was only like one o'clock. And smooth is subjective because just to lay it out, we had the two hour trip to Atlanta airport. We were there two and a half hours early in the morning, almost missed the flight. You were doing it alone, so I wasn't there. When you got there, there was a shuttle to get you to Salem from Portland. And then from the shuttle, and you're traveling with your bike in a big suitcase, from the shuttle, that dropped you off at a hotel. Then you had to Uber from the hotel to the Airbnb. And when you got to the Airbnb, the lady didn't even know you were staying with her. Yeah, that was the the real surpriser. Like... Like you said, after basically a car ride, a plane ride, a shuttle ride, calling an Uber, getting there, this the lady comes out and she kind of has this like really just surprised look on her face. And it's kind of was like, hi, who are you? She was trying to be very nice, but I honestly, I looked at her and I was like, oh, I'm Kaylee. Like, I'm here for the B&B. And she was she was like, no, you're not. And I had to pull it up and show it to her. And so basically it had confirmed my reservation with to an old email that she had. So she had no idea that I was coming, but luckily she was such a nice lady and was super accommodating. And honestly, when this was happening, I just started crying, (laughs) which was just kind of a whole ordeal because I was exhausted and I'm crying and she's like trying to give me hugs and just like be like, it's okay. Like I have a room. So it was just like a, just a whole, just crazy storm, but it all worked out well. Like she was very nice and um, the place was very nice. And there was a cat, which was kind of for me, a nice perk. Um, But yeah, so (laughs) yeah, Brian wouldn't have been able to do that, but For me, it was okay, and I actually ended up really liking the area and liked Oregon a lot, too. Uh, This was my first time actually in that area of the United States, so it was it was a fun experience. So smooth is subjective, but you made it. Yes, I got there. All of that happened. That's one day of your 10 day trip. So I yeah, it was pretty chaotic. Yeah, this was day one and it was just it was rough, but. We got there, got settled in pretty quick, and this was on Friday. So basically Saturday was um, pro meeting, check-in, all the normal stuff with an Ironman event. Did you have Um, to get the rental car Saturday too? Oh, yeah. I guess in the morning I did my my brick, went and got a rental car, and then did all the the usual Ironman stuff. So, yeah, the whole trip, that part was just very – it was just very planned. Like every, every hour had something I needed to get done. Um, but yeah, before I knew it, race day was there, which I guess for me also helped me not feel too nervous because I didn't really have time to even get nervous for the race. But yeah, I guess going into race day, it was, the river was crazy fast. I mean, at the pro meeting, they had told us, I mean, I'm sure people have seen on Instagram, but basically they put a Doritos bag in and saw how fast it could float down. And it took it 23 minutes. So the current was just absolutely ripping. I mean, it's faster than I can swim. Yeah. They said at some points it was 14 miles an hour, which faster than anybody can swim. Yeah. Like Phelps can't swim 14 miles an hour. It was just crazy. I mean, you would get in and it felt like you were pretty much in an endless pool for the warm up. Like you just turn and face the opposite direction and just like swim and you stayed in one spot. So um, it was also not wetsuit legal. So for the pros, for the pros, the day before it was, we were going to be wearing one. But then literally the next morning, it warmed up to exactly the temperature where it wasn't legal, which which I is mean, what for the listeners. I th- Oh, I don't want to say it wrong, but I think it's 
Is it 70 or 71.5? I think it's 71.5. Somewhere in there. (laughs) Yes. I, I, I think I do not, I can't guess it to the 10th, but, um, but yeah, so we didn't have wetsuits and the, we went out. I don't think there was a cannon at this one. I think there was a noise ordinance. So they just had a, a blow horn and pretty quickly, like you're supposed to go diagonally out and I did not make it. I did not get past the buoys and was just drug over the first few little like yellow buoys that they had out there. And the cord just kind of like slammed into my chest and just I just felt like that, like a I don't even like a noodle just being like drugged through the water. It was it was not fun for me. I know that for the people who are not strong swimmers, river swims are definitely better for race, but I did personally did not enjoy it. It just felt a little too out of control. And I was just did not like that feeling. That was more like whitewater rafting versus a river swim. That was and you weren't the only person that that happened to. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what it felt like. I And that's what I thought about. I was like, I feel like I'm whitewater rafting right now. Like, I mean, you could even see the ground at some point. So it was yeah, it was just a little bit scary. And I even at the beginning kind of stopped and just popped my head up and floated on the surface. And I was basically going as fast as everyone else that was, that was swimming. Fast as the Dorito bag. So, but yeah, to, to not get hung up on the swim, it was really quick. And I mean, before I knew it, I was out in transition. Um, it was a pretty long transition, which both races were weirdly long transitions. Uh, but yeah, went pretty smooth, got on the bike pretty quickly. I had really good legs. I would say the first road, I was the first mile out was a little bumpy. So I had a little bit of time to kind of not really be an arrow and stretch out a little and just kind of get out of the town center. And after that, I got into air position and felt great. I mean, I was able to stay in, in that position and push the best watts I've ever pushed um, for the whole the whole thing. And I mean, I was pretty, I was happy. It was one of those things that I kind of was surprised by. I got to maybe the 20 mile marker and looked at what my average was and kind of was shocked and thought, okay, I can hold this for another five miles. And then I would get to the, that mile marker. And it's like, okay, I I think I can hold this to the halfway turnaround point. And I got there and I was still feeling good. So I kind of just kept pushing myself by every like five to 10 ish miles to try to maintain what I was holding and ended up having my best power of all time, uh, on the race. And yeah, it was, I was happy with that. And somehow I even had really good run legs after pushing my best power. Yeah, I, so on the bike, um, what was your nutrition plan? Do you remember how many calories you were aiming to take in? Did you have two bottles? Yeah, I guess I did have two bottles with, uh, Martin, uh, 320s. So that's 320 calories each. And I would say I had one full bottle and maybe a half to two thirds of another one. And then I had three gels with me. So like 800 calories. Um, and maybe it was two gels. I think it was two. 700. Yeah. Cause I think I wish I had a third, but I mm-hmm. only had two with me and I just didn't ever grab one from any of the aid stations. And, um, so yeah, that was probably my only, I would have liked to have a little bit more calories on the bike. Uh, but luckily, I, I always have a gel with me sitting at the T2. So I grabbed it as soon as I started running and just in, in ate it then. So. Did you grab anything from the aid stations on the bike? No, I actually did try to grab a water bottle, but it just couldn't do it. Mm. So I didn't grab anything from the aid stations. Um, but on the, the run was the opposite. I Because I felt kind of hungry or I wasn't necessarily bonking, but I did feel a little bit hungry. I was grabbing gels at pretty much every aid station. I think I went through four gels on the bike or on the run, which is more than I've ever. I had to like stop myself because I got to the fourth one and kind of was like, okay, you probably should not have another one. Um, 
That's good that you're able to take in that level of nutrition without GI issues, though. Yeah, it, honestly, I did. It wasn't even me feeling bad that made me stop. It was I didn't want to feel bad. So yeah, I guess that's a, a good thing whenever I get into doing Ironmans. But yeah, so you went out. Um, did you go out fast? Did you go out pretty steady? I would say I went out not looking at my watch mm. for until the first mile marker. So I didn't even check what my split or what my pace was until like I saw, I crossed the one mile marker and I looked at what the time was. You're pretty consistent. I think um, it was in the five fifties, right? Oh yeah. The first mile was a, a five fifty eight, and I felt pretty good. I, my legs were there. I had a good, a good stride, a good rhythm and felt pretty strong. So. And at that point you were in what? 19th? Uh, yes. I think I was in 19th at that point. It was night 18, 19, 19th, somewhere around there. So you beat somebody out of the water, which was a goal. Yes. I guess that's true. You didn't true. get last in the swim. Did not get last. First you race ever. You weren't last in the bike. Was not last in the bike. I think I beat two people you beat some people two three maybe um so yeah i was i was not in last getting out and onto the run but and you were holding the distance of many people yeah by the end especially and then on the run you went from i think 19th yeah and i'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this but you went from 19th to actually beating the person who was in first overall in the race yeah, by the very, by the the very last, end. the last half mile. So it was you ran down some serious distance on the run. Yeah, I mean it was the best. It was my second fastest half marathon ever. Which it was a one eighteen. Yeah, it was a one eighteen thirty, like maybe thirty two. Which is I think a five fifty nine average, right? Yeah. So sub six. Right under the sub six mark, and yeah, it was. I felt super strong. And I think actually my mile, like three, four, five, six, and maybe even seven were all 554s exactly. Wow. Like I've never ran miles so consistently. Like I, I looked at my splits and I had four or five miles that were the exact to the the second. How much elevation was it? Um, I think it came out to be... It was like 450 to 500 feet of elevation. So they were very short, rolly. Like you just were kind of like up and down, up mm. and down. There was nothing that like took the life out of your legs, but it was just like a constant, which was kind of nice. Like it kind of would give you a little bit of speed and then you would just hold it a little bit of speed, hold it. So, so still undefeated in the run. No so yeah, I had the you in a run race in the triathlon. Fastest run for the day, I think one of the fastest female times at that course. Um, so yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely the unofficial course record because I don't think they do official course yeah, records. They change it sometimes. But yeah, it was the fastest run ever recorded at Oregon. Yeah, so it was it was a good race. And you ran from nineteenth to twelfth to twelfth right? overall. So. Uh, I think at the from that point, probably my best finish. Um, I think in Miami, I was technically 11th, but there was a lot more uh, people at this race. So, so what were your thoughts going through your head when you crossed the finish line? Um, I think when I crossed the finish line, I was really happy. Like I, I truly felt like this. My swim, I was not that happy with, but the bike. You were only three minutes down from first on the swim. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the time, it was how I felt mm -hmm. in the swim that I wasn't happy with. Like, I, I don't like if I stop. Like, the fact that I stopped and popped my head up and kind of just floated for a little bit, just, like, something I really don't want to do. Like, but how did you feel at the finish line? Uh, but, yeah, at the finish line, I was really happy. I, I would say I felt like I really put it all out there and was tired, but... Uh, yeah, it was. So you got everything out of yourself. Yeah. I was in a lot of pain. Like my legs were killing me, but I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, it was, I felt, I was very happy with myself in the race. Were you thinking about Maine yet or no? No. You're just in the moment. Yeah. I That's definitely good. was not thinking about <laughs> the next race. That's good. So 
yeah, afterwards I had a little fun, went to an Oregon winery, um, got to taste a little bit of the local wines, which was really fun, and just went to bed early. So yeah, that was kind of the the Oregon the Oregon piece of the the trip. And then the next morning, it was off to Maine, right? Yep, early next morning, got up at like four o'clock and went and swam at 5 a.m. Oh. <laughs> which was terrible, but I did get up and get a swim in at five to kind of just like flush the body before a long travel day and then struck out by seven in the morning um, to go to the airport and did not. It was a fl- it was a flight from Oregon to Newark and then Newark to or Portland, Maine. Just so everybody knows, Portland, Oregon to Newark is across the entire country. So that's from Oregon to New Jersey. Yeah. And then New Jersey to Maine is a short little puddle jumper of a flight. Yeah, it was like 40 minutes, but made the Portland to Portland trip. And then you got in at what time? Got in there at like one. Midnight, yeah. Or yeah, it was midnight. um, And then took a cab to Augusta to another Airbnb to another Airbnb and with another problem the the story of this trip was every time I get got to my final destination there was like some sort of hiccup in which this one was more my fault it was you know two in the two in the morning 2 a.m I had been traveling literally all day and and all night and all night and got to the B&B and it was, you know, like 27 Western Street. And I looked at, you know, the number 27 and looked at the, the door and it said 27. So I like tried to put the key in or the code in and it didn't work. And I tried again, it didn't work. And I tried again, it didn't work. And ended up calling Brian and went through the process of he was like, maybe they you know, switched a number. So I tried different combinations of the number again, ended up crying. So that was another thing when I got to my final destination was a cry. So I was sitting on the front porch crying and then in, I I can't even remember. I ended up just like walking around the side and up some stairs Around It was around the side of the house, up a flight of stairs, there was like lights on. And I was kind of like, you know, it's really late for there to be lights on in someone's like room. Or, yeah. So I, I can't even remember what I ended up doing. Did I look? I think I like looked at the app and it ended up there was pictures, like the very last pictures on the listing of you oh you're gonna have to walk uh, on this path go up a flight of stairs and there's your room so i went up there did that and the code worked and all was well at 2 30 in the morning the people in the other unit were probably terrified probably terrified i can't even imagine if i was in a bnb and somebody was trying to get in for like 30 minutes <laughs> crying on my doorstep. Like, yeah, I can't imagine. I felt bad. I never saw them because I kind of wanted to apologize. But yeah, I never saw them and was able to say sorry. But they must have been heavy sleepers. If you were at 70.3 Maine and you thought you were getting broken into, <laughs> we're sorry. Just, it was just me and I apologize. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was at least nice that I was able to be in Maine at this point, it's Tuesday, super early morning, but I was there from Tuesday until race day on Sunday. And the rule of thumb, which I say over and over, is message the Airbnb people in advance. Yeah. And I get I crystal clear on it. You I did, did for the second. I did message them, but they just didn't. There was no in the instructions like a reminder that you needed to like go around back and up some like wooden stairs. Like it just was not a very, I don't know, like inviting entrance. So hopefully one person learns from it though. Yeah. But yeah, so I was able to settle in pretty quickly there. I was able to ride the course, run the course uh, for a few days while I was there, but uh, my legs and every, and I just, I, they never really came around. I felt pretty tired, um, a lot of fatigue. 
And I would say I was honestly pretty nervous. Not nervous about the race, but nervous about how I was going to feel because the body just like that next level, that next gear just did not feel like I had. So I would say going into that morning, I wasn't really sure how much I was going to be able to give on the day. So I, you know, I, I, I would say I rested as best I could. Uh, try to make sure I was eating a lot and staying off my feet a lot. And that was pretty much the best I could do. How was the weather compared to what you train in in Georgia and Oregon and Maine? Uh, Oregon was Oregon was weird because there was no humidity, but it, it was pretty hot in the peak you know, hours of the day, but the mornings were very cool. So like you'd wake up and it was pretty cool out, but it would then get pretty hot. Uh, whereas Maine was actually, there was humidity, not nothing like Georgia. And the week before the race, it was probably in the eighties. So it was pretty warm and it didn't get cool at night. So I, I it was hot for every single day leading up to it, but then it rained Saturday and, or Saturday evening. So then Sunday morning race day, it was actually in the fifties and the high that day was like 75. So race day actually ended up being perfect. I mean, I don't know if you could have asked for more perfect weather. Uh, wasn't wet too legal again. Um, but the water was warmer than the air. So it kind of felt nice getting in. Yeah, so going into the race. Yeah. It, it was a downriver swim again. Another, as they like to call it, downhill swim. Uh, so it was another downhill swim. And this one somehow was even faster. But the the water was much wider and deeper. So you didn't really feel the current as much. And I also think it was a little bit shorter than Oregon. So I think, I don't know if it was necessarily faster as much as it may have just been shorter. Um, but mm-hmm. I had a much better swim. I And you were within two minutes of first yeah, there. Yeah, this time I was within two minutes, and I felt strong. Like, I went out hard. I wasn't really on feet, but I felt smooth and confident and had a good, what I thought felt like a good stroke. Um, it was pretty... I thought my turnover was pretty high and I I was staying good on top of the water. And so I actually ended up catching back up to people in the swim, which was a weird experience. Uh, And even was on people's feet for a little bit, Uh, not a long time, but for a little bit. So there felt like an actual race happening versus me just out alone, which was kind of fun. And this time I beat three people out of the water So, you know, we got one in Oregon and now three. So maybe this is the start of me not being the worst, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, right after that swim, there was the longest, hardest transition run I feel like I've ever had to do. It was actually there may have been one worse, but this one was pretty close. There was just a really steep hill, a really long run, and then another really steep hill before getting to where your bikes were. Um, so I was pretty tired getting onto the bike just from that, that run. But I mean, it was the complete opposite experience of Oregon where as soon as I started biking, I just, my legs felt pretty terrible. I just kind of didn't have the, that like power that I feel like I needed. It was extremely hilly. Um, I think it ended up being over 4,000 feet of elevation. And these were like out of your saddle climbs um, for a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I think being a good cyclist has more than just holding consistent power. And I learned that here. And I also learned I didn't have that. (laughs) (laughs) So I just didn't have that ability to like, spike over 250 watts to get up a hill that I just think I needed. Um, whether that's something I never, like I just don't have yet, or if it was just cause my legs were fatigued. I don't really know that answer. Um, I know being fatigued played a role in 
not having the best power. I mean, it still was the second best bike I've ever done. So it wasn't, you know, terrible. It just wasn't. Wasn't it what, wasn't you, what, what you needed. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't what the course needed and what I needed. So I ended up honestly really losing way more time than I wanted to in the bike, especially having only two minutes down in the swim. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Um, but to be fair, you were racing the duathlon European champion. Yeah, there were some pretty strong cyclists, which is respectable. Out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely strong cyclists out there. It it was an underrated race. I mean, it was broadcast. It was live. There was some really good, talented people there. Yeah, I people went to compete. Yeah, I think there was. I think one of the problems with it being slightly underrated was there was a few people there who either hadn't raced much in the past year. So their ranking was actually kind of low, like their PTO ranking was low because they just didn't have three races under their belt. But like, if you look now at the people in the races that race there, several of them are top hundred because of that, like that race gave them their third and now they're top hundred. So it was, it was pretty competitive. Um, but yeah, so back to the race, getting off the bike, I really instantly had terrible, like my, it's the outer hamstring. It wasn't the main one, but just felt awful. Like I, I really thought I'd either already injured it or was really close to, to pulling it. And so I kind of went back and forth whether I should have pulled out uh, because an injury to me just wasn't worth having to spend several months having to take time off. So I kind of just decided to shorten my stride and kind of take it a little bit easier, uh, which, you know, I, it was fine. I, I would say my run, I didn't give it my all like I did in Oregon, but Still did okay. I still had the fastest run. By three minutes. Um, so you're still undefeated in the run. Yeah, still undefeated in the run, but, you know, a lot of work to do on the other two. But And what's cool is you're actually top 20 in the world on the PTO rankings for long course running. Yeah, now I am considered top 20, which is pretty cool. Still, like I said, I want to be I would love to be top 20 in the bike one day that's kind of <laughs> the the next huge goal which I know is going to take a couple years but you know I'd like to get there eventually so yeah that's the long-winded recap of Oregon Maine how was the the dinner in Maine Oh, the dinner in Maine was amazing. I Where should people check out? I drove over to, it's called Rockport, uh, Maine, and it was about an hour away from where I was staying. And it was really beautiful. It was a beautiful um, coastal town. Uh, there was an, a lot of sailboats going in and out, and I sat right on the water, had oysters. I did not have a lobster roll. I'm just not a lobster person, so I just like... I couldn't stomach the price of a lobster roll for not even really liking lobster. Uh, so instead, I got oysters, which I love. So, yeah, it was. Pick looked good. It's on Instagram, right? Yeah, it yeah. was. It's on Instagram. But yeah, it was overall great trip. Great experience. Uh, I feel. And there were some TTL fans out there and, and Kaylee Slade fans, right? Yeah, there was um so uh, a few uh, TTL fans at both races and even at Oregon, some people had signs that had my name on it. And yeah, it was really fun. It was it was cool to have people out there, even though I was a lone traveler with just me, but it still felt like I had supporters. So it was really cool. Yeah. Anything you'd like to say to your supporters? I mean, th thank you. Like it's. I appreciate it. And it really, it got me through a lot of the tough, the tough moments out there on the course. And, um, I also just enjoyed seeing everyone also out there racing and, um, or supporting cause there was someone who actually helped me out the, on Friday with an open water swim, which was really awesome. And, uh, a fellow podcast listener actually. So yeah, that was really cool to, 
to meet my first real life podcast listener. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it was, it was good. It was a really good trip. Awesome. How's the trip home Monday early again? Yeah, Monday was an early. I had to get up at 3 a.m., which I'm still not really on a good sleep schedule. Um, but it was pretty quick. Got home by 9 o'clock in the morning and got home by 12. So that was super uneventful. Yeah. You came and picked me up, which was super nice. That's what I'm here for. But I'll be returning the favor pretty shortly for age group nationals that is happening at the same time same place as pto us open which is crazy an absolutely crazy thing to me how many people are going to be there i think there was over a thousand age groupers who raced the olympic distance alone a thousand men so there's probably you know, three, four thousand people there for triathlon. That's crazy. Just I mean, on the age group. And it's going to be bigger this year because of PTO. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's not as many competitors in the PTO, but it's definitely going to draw attention. The vendors are serious too there. Like you get to know a lot of different brands and companies who support triathlon because they know it's all the people who are very serious about triathlon there. Yeah. So it blows Ironman out of the water when it comes to like the vendor support and the free stuff. And I mean, you know, free, but you're there. So yeah. You pay for it. But that's so uh, cool. I actually I'm not going to be there, unfortunately, but I wish I was. It'd be really cool to I've never been to age group nationals. So next year, wild card. Yeah. For PTO. Yeah. PTO. That's that's the biggest goal next year is to get a wild card into be, to be good enough to get a wild card, so. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun fun weekend for you and all the age groupers and everyone that's going to be out there. It's I, three races. Yeah, which, what it's are the they? Open water swim on Friday. And then I have the Olympic distance nationals race Saturday into the sprint national championship Sunday. And they're all non-draft legal. So the draft legal ones happened in Texas. These are the non-draft legal ones in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What are um, which one are you kind of focusing, or do you have one that's like your your primary race? The focus is definitely Olympic distance non-draft legal. That's what I train for anyway. Yeah. So I would like to have my best day out there. The open swim is just a warm up. I'm glad I did it last year. So I'll have some good takeout speed and then just settle into a rhythm. I'll probably settle more for my Olympic distance pace. So I'll just kind of simulate it over the 750 meters and yeah, just sharpen up for it because it's in Lake Michigan. It's this huge lake. Last year was 58 degrees. This year it's supposed to be warmer. So if so the water temperature is supposed to be warmer than last year. Yeah. It's between like 65 and 73. Oh, that's a lot warmer actually. Yeah. So for the listeners who are who are racing it, it's going to be warmer, still wetsuit legal for all age groupers, might not be wetsuit legal for the PTO people. Wow. Is the I know a lot of people are at least the the professionals are have been really heat training leading into this. Is it supposed to be really hot there? No. So it's going to it looks like it's going to be a nice day, hopefully, knock on wood. Because last year, the sprint got shortened to a super sprint because of lightning. I'm hoping that it's 78 at a high, so it'll be even cooler in the morning. The humidity gets some people in Wisconsin because not everyone from around the world or no, the country is used to humidity. But yeah. for reference in Georgia, it's been 98 and humid, so it's yeah, going to feel cool. It's probably similar to how I felt in Oregon, almost, or not Oregon, but in Maine. Mm-hmm. Where there there was humidity, but it just is not suffocating. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that, like chest, like something sitting on your chest, like it does in Georgia. Were you able to race right through it? No problem. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about it. So yeah. so I'm assuming as long as you're acclimated, it's it's going to be a non-issue. Well, that's so. good that the weather conditions are you know at least as of now supposed to be better than last year. Um, do you? What is kind of your goal? Do you have a goal set? The goal is to be much faster than the swim. I don't know if it'll happen, but we'll see. 
Do you have, mind saying what your swim was last year? I think I swam a 30 last year flat. Okay. I got so. on my watch. It was like, I got out in 29. Maybe they count transitions. Sometimes they put the, yeah, a little the bit tracker further a little out. further up. You have to run to it. Um, but I swam around the 29 to a 30. So I'd like to get that definitely under 26 because that'll make me a little more relevant. But ideally in the Olympic distance to even, you know, be in the mix for males, you have to be sub 21 for sure. Yeah. But it's a, it's a progress thing. Like last year I was yeah. top 50%. This year I'd like to be top 25%. Last year on the bike, I think I was around 215 to 225 Watts. I don't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but I think I biked it in like a one Oh six. So I'd like to be spot on to that hour mark and really push up yeah. the Watts. Which, how would you compare this course to St. Anthony's? there's less turns and it's a little, I mean, it's, it's hillier. Okay. So they're a little hillier, but there's not 40 mile an hour wind. I don't know that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So knock on wood yeah, again. again, sorry but, for knocking into um, the mic. I feel like that's a, a good, like an hour is a good mark for you. It's, it's like the standard for the course to, yeah. to be able to do it close to an hour. And last year I did it on a road bike to be fair. This year I have a very, it's an old, 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 very old TT bike. I think it's 10 years old. It's the first bike I ever owned in, in triathlon. So it is a TT bike. I bought cheap carbon deep dish wheels on Amazon. So they're deeper. They should be faster. We'll see. And for my run, I will be going back to the Vaporflies. So, oh yeah, because you you wore different shoes last race. That's the setup. The Asics sliced my feet wide open, just like the Alpha Flies. The Asics don't do that with socks on, but in a race these distances, you can't run with yeah, socks. Yeah, that's true. That. So I will not be racing with socks. That's that's my setup. I'm testing the. Roka swim, not the swim skin, but the wetsuit. I have a Roka Maverick 2 wetsuit, and I'm testing that against what's Xterra's yeah, high end Vengeance. I don't vengeance. know which one. Oh, yeah. it's the Vengeance. So. And that's the one you really like, the, the Xterra. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't got to race in it, but you, you've swam in it many I've times. swam in it. I've opened what I've swam in it in a pool. I've swam in it in the open water. And for me, it works great. I like it. So I'm still not sold on it. I'm going to test it against the Roca tomorrow, just one last time, just to see how it compares. And yeah, wetsuits are finicky. That's all I can say. Make sure they're up on your shoulders really high. You have to pull it up in your leg region, you know, that way it's not dragging there. And my physique's just kind of weird where like I'm kind of a small in terms of body weight, but the amount of muscle I have in certain areas, like my chest and my lats from rowing. Yeah. Or, it just fits. It fits a little tight. weird. Fits real but, snug. Yeah. So I'm still figuring it out, but I'll know by race day. So Are you going to do any spectating for the PTO? Um, I won't sacrifice my races for it, but I snagged an Airbnb really close in town. So as long as it's convenient, then yeah, for sure. I'll be, I'll be out there watching, probably recovering. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a few clips of some, some famous people. Famous people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Basically your friends at this point. So I'll get a few clips of your friends for you, but um, no, it'll be fun. And, you know, we'll get to say hi to some of the pros and some of the listeners and some of the age groupers that I I know pretty well from. Yeah. I think uh, we've had a few people reach out that are going to be there. So um, yeah, let's talk picks. Let's for for the top three and the top uh, yeah. men and women. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's I have see. it so, pulled up because I want it to be fair. We'll start with the men's race because the men's race is first. So men's, men's race strength of field is ninety two point four six. Wow. Okay. That's so a, pretty much that's if, a hot this that's just a high number for people who have not really looked into the PTO rankings. Um, anything over ninety is like really good yeah i mean the pto attracts the best of the best so i mean there's some really big names in here and there's some big names that don't have points like jan ferdino would increase the strength of field yeah that's true the goat but doesn't have the doesn't have three races i think he does have three races now 
because he's raced he's raced a few. I think he has three now. Yeah, he's seventeen, yeah. but no, he has two. Oh, he still only has two. No, he has three. Okay, but I mean, that's not where he'll be because yes. once he does this yeah. PTO race, he's going to go from seventeen to more. top ten. Yeah, hundred percent. So you can't count him out. So let's talk about top three for men first. Who's your number one pick? I think I already know. So I'm not going to be fun with this. I mean, no, the I, points to get it right. Yeah, I, I think Christian Blumenfeld's going to win. I, Why? I think that he got second at the European Open. And I don't think he was even close to as good a form as he's in now. So... I just I don't I don't really think there's going to be any real like competition against him. Yeah, I think that he went into European Open with relatively bad form because he was sick training all winter and he didn't have that high end speed yet. But he's been doing the Olympic distance and the Olympic doing good, doing well at the Olympic distance. Improved a ton though since then, and it translates really well to this hundred k distance. Yeah, it's so. a really, really good transition. So yeah, Christian Blumenfeld is the universal, untouchable number one. But if somebody hypothetically could beat Christian Blumenfeld, who do you have for second? Oh, this is a hard one. I I think second is probably going to be someone. Okay. So for a long time, I really was pulling that Martin Van Riel was going to like be, be a run for the money for Christian, but he is unfortunately not racing. So he's out. So he's out. And so I think that <clears throat> Jan Ferdino will be second because he will be a front pack swimmer. He will do whatever it takes on the bike. And he's had some more time to train since PTO as well. I just don't think his run will be there. So if you don't think his run will be there, who do you think will be second? Because that's my pick for number two. I honestly am going with Ben Canute. Wow. I I think like he has a chance to run. Well, that's good. But you have an American in there. It I I that one's kind of a a, a random one, I guess, to throw out. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna say second is Ben. Well, Ben was in the 2016 Olympics, right? I think he raced Rio. Yes, yeah, I think so it was he's, Rio. He's has that top end speed in him. He's a front pack swimmer. He's a strong biker. Yeah, and I think his only weakness is typically the run. Like he's kind of hit or miss on it. But I mean, at 70.3 Worlds, he ran neck and neck with Christian for a long time. So I'll put it this way. I hope he has the bullets in the chamber yeah. <laughs> when Magnus decides to take it out like a bullet on the bike. I know Christian can go with Magnus and burn yeah. a few matches. I don't know many people who can. Yeah. So, you know, for the third pick, that comes down to, I mean, there's still 20 good names who could be third. I have to pick for number three, Magnus, for, for third place because he's just so solid all around. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I think Magnus is a good pick for third. I think his swim has come a long ways. He'll make the bike hard. He's going to make the bike super hard. I personally think he should – he should he, he kind of let up, I think, a little at European Open once he reached the front. And I think he should, like, just, like, keep going. And I, I think that that would be what would help him get third. So and then, I, I don't think he has the top. I think there's many other people that could outrun him. It's just how much can they outrun him? So you he, can't he outrun just, someone if yeah if you don't have the legs after the bike. Yeah. yeah. So. So who's your dark horse? So that's someone who legitimately has a chance to upset the podium. So we have we have the lion. We got lion, the Lionel Sanders. We have Sam Long. I mean, we have all these names that we haven't so brought up yet. Jason West is like my. I want him. I would love for him to win. So I, he's my I, dark horse. I don't know if I would say. I think the, the who they just added. Um, I forget his name. No. Sharp. Josh Amberger, I think would be a dark horse. He's a short course kind of guy, isn't he? Josh is an Ironman kind of guy. And I think because his partner, Ashley Gentles Racing, he got, you know, he got the invite. 
I thought he was okay. Then maybe this isn't who I was thinking. I thought. Okay, I'm doing my dark horse as Jason Weston. Okay, he's also my dark horse. I think Jason has a good shot to upset the podium because he's just been head down putting in the work. He has. He he's going to come has. down from altitude, and I think his bike's going to be stronger than people think it is. So, um, yeah, the has, bike will be his make or break. He has the swim on a good day. His bike has come a long way, and everybody knows he's the fastest runner on the day. So. I think, yeah, Jason Weiss is definitely my dark horse. My fun pick, someone who I'd love to see upset the podium. I mean, there's there's so many, right? I mean... Trevor Foley. T. Foley. Yeah, we'd love to see him on the podium. At one point in Maine, they caught his bike screen at 445 watts in the middle of it. <laughs> Which is absurd. This is his third race yeah, in three weeks. This is... No, not three weeks. This has been like... Within three weeks. Oh, yeah. It's within less than three weeks. I think it's 12 days. I think he has said it's in... Tw like, from the day he raced Oregon, 12 days later is this so, PTO. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's who I would like to within be. Within two weeks, then. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I'd rather... I like. I'd be happy to see him at least top five. Be great. That would be a crazy upset yeah. in itself, yeah. So, and then I have to say, Matthew Markhart came flying past me at 340 watts on Zwift <laughs> the other day. They just stuck him in, but that guy can hammer some power. Yeah, I don't know what his run legs are like, but he swam for Princeton D1. I know he can bike. Yeah, that for him, it's definitely because he's he's an Ironman runner. Yeah, he's an Ironman runner and a good Ironman runner, but. I mean, a Jason West or... <laughs> On five a, days notice. Yeah. It's, it'll be a fun person to watch. Yeah, he'll yeah. be a fun person to keep up with and see how he does. Yeah, and then keep yeah. an eye out for Matt Sharp, too. He's back for vengeance after the unfair DNF. At yeah, the unzip. But so we're, we're team Matt Sharp on that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, maybe we'll go over the, the unzip on our next podcast. Sure. Um, but yeah. We'll talk about it. So let's, let's go to the, the female field. Yes, uh, strength of field is 90.77 for the females. So Pretty just strong. a little less, but still, you know, breaking that 90 point barrier. And that's with Chelsea Sodaro, who is now out. Uh, so strength of field probably dropped below 80, 89. And but still right out there. Notable that. missing people. We don't have Anne Lucy. Hogg. We don't have Anne Hogg. We don't have Lucy. Daniela Reese not there either, is she? No, but I don't think she would be relevant in this field. Yeah. I know man. everybody says she's the GOAT, but I She's mean, definitely more long distance. Yeah, but. for Iron Man. But I yeah, I don't think she'd be I don't think she has the top end. But I Lucy and Ann Hogg, I would say, are gonna be two faces that are gonna be missed yes. at this race. Yes. And they will both be in Singapore? Uh, I think so. I think they'll both be which is next weekend, right? Mm -hmm. The following week. So we'll see them racing again soon. So it's a it's a very strong field, and at this point, there can be no weaknesses to win it. Oh, for sure. So on this list, to take the win... I think we're going to have the same answer. All right, on three. One, two, three. Taylor, Taylor Nib. Oh, I didn't know if we would. We didn't talk about this. <laughs> no, but I Taylor Nib is just, I think, in great form right now. I think... I mean, she just focused even more on the bike, which is something even like I, she's already insanely good on the bike and to potentially be even better is kind of crazy. And I mean, we all know she's probably going to lead the swim potentially by herself. She'll now have Lauren Brandon, That's true, which, which is, is good, for terrible her. for the rest of the field, but yeah. great for her. And, you know, it'll just it'll be her run. Can she gap them enough on the bike, which I think she can, to not be outrun? So, yeah. I so, think who's number two? I, I think that Ashley Gentle. I mean, that's, again, not a, a crazy pick, but I, I still think that she will have a solid bike, will have a solid swim, and will make up a ton of ground on the run that nobody else will be able to hang with. Ashley, to me, her form's a question mark just because we haven't seen a race against good people in a while. 
Yeah. So just not to, since really the the European Open, right? Yeah, which she was sick at and still got third, I think. Second, she second. got second there. Yeah. So. That's what I'm saying. Like I know she. Uh, just to just to change it up because her form's a question mark, and I think you'll be right. But I'm going to go with Tamara Jewett as second. Oh, I would love that one. Her her yeah. swim's gotten stronger. She's been She's working been on the bike full time for the first time this year, just triathlon. And I mean, we all know her run will be the fat is the fastest. So again, it would be an upset, but I'm going to put her at second. And then who do you have for third? She would have been my third. Okay. So you have her for third. Yeah. I think she'll be able to run down to third. I, I my only question mark with this would be, I think Paula Finley has also been focusing a lot on the bike and could potentially have a an an insane bike and gain and like have a lot of time coming off of it and it's just going to come down to what is her run form right now yeah i think paula's form gets better as the year goes on yeah definitely so i have her at third because of that factor, the, there's going to be bike radar. What's it called? Race Ranger. Yeah. So the drafting. So there won't be any drafting. I mean, hopefully, you know, and that means the strong bikers like Taylor Nib and Paula Finley have a bigger advantage. Yeah. So I do think that I'm going to have Paula for, for third because I think she can put in some serious damage on Milwaukee's course. And I mean, honestly, with her, because she was practicing u-turns with her national championship the canadian national championship and this has it's a 12 lap course wow so like it's gonna favor her for the bike and i think that in my opinion she could she could race for number one if she races if she puts everything out there on the swim is my i think that if she comes out of that water and like just say the group right behind Oh, it's on. Yeah. Um, then on. I think she has a good chance to be Taylor Nib because I think that she's the closest person who could not really lose time to Taylor. Yeah. It'll be the Canadian TT time trial champion versus the U.S. time trial contender. So yeah. We'll see. And I mean, for everybody's reference, when, with 12 laps and a lot of turns, you have to punch it three, four, mm-hmm. 500 watts out of turns. It's just going to be a weird course for people. So the normalized power is going to be totally different than the the actual power numbers when you're checking on Strava like I do after races. Yeah. And again, it's going to favor anyone who has done short course ITU type racing. Yeah. If you're relevant in the swim, for sure. So any, any fun picks for the females? I think that... I mean, so... I'm obviously going to be really rooting for Haley Chura. Um, I think she focuses a lot more on the Ironman distance, so it'll be interesting to see how everything translates to PTO. But uh, a good swimmer. Great swimmer. Good biker. Great biker. And, I mean, had one of the fastest runs yeah, at St. Anthony's. at St. Anthony's. I think she could be a dark horse out there, like someone who is an Ironman who they just don't even see coming. Could be super sneaky. That would be so much fun. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. And then you have Anne-Marie Strulo, who you raced at your first Ironman with, right? Yeah, she Stepped won, up to the pro field with you. Won the first uh, 70.3. 70.3 I ever did. And this is also her first year as a pro. So, you know, I think the the rookie newbie out there, I'm, you know, rooting for to do well. I don't necessarily have her picked for probably a top three, but I think... I'd love to see her break that top 10 mark for sure. Yeah, but heck, with the prize money, top 20 pays out. So I think there's only 20 women. So it'll be fun. I am super, super, super excited to be watching this. I think it's both are are both evening races, like 4 p.m. ish time. I don't know. I think I think they are both evening races. One's I kn- Friday, one's Saturday. Yeah, Friday is going to be the men's race, and mm. then Saturday is the women's. And I, I really think the women's race is going to be at 4 p.m., so I'm mm. not sure about the men's. I think yeah. they're both evening races, which will also be interesting. There's a better chance I'll watch the women than the men then. Yeah. Because that'll be the night before mine. The, the 
big one. So yeah. I'll be resting. We will be back again. This was a huge catch-up podcast for us. We had the double race recap, which is big time. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for making it this far. Yeah, thanks for listening in. I know this will be a long one. Make sure to hit that subscribe, follow button. It helps us out, and we will catch you next time. Yeah, we'll see you guys then.